0: Wake up, lover boy. You've got work to do. A girl? Who else?
1: Well, what is it? What do you want me to do?
0: Rescue a cat from a tree.
1: Oh no, come on, it's only six o'clock. The streets aren't even air, be serious.
0: I am serious, and you're the only one available. The lady's name is Mrs. Maude Blanchard, and she'll pick you up in half an hour outside Aubrey's pad.
1: Aubrey's pad, what's that?
0: It's a pet name Penny Fairweather and I dreamed up for the officers at thirty three Half Moon Street.
2: It's often been the case that the client... Contracting for one of my operators has not always been what he seems. The call to my office from Mrs. Maude Blanchard was to rescue a kitten from a large elm tree in her Hendon garden. Let me say at the outset that there was nothing mysterious at all about Mrs. Blanchard. In fact, she was a pillar of Hendon society. However, the ramifications of that simple cat rescue operation were to echo like thunder through the quiet suburbs.
0: On time, like the Big Ben clock.
1: So what are you doing here? I thought you said on the telephone that I was the only one available. At the
0: time you were. There was a change of plan.
1: Great. Okay, so you can rescue the cat.
0: Wrong, Cannon. Mrs. Maude Blanchard, the cat's owner, says it's too dangerous for a woman to handle. Pussy's perched on the nevermost branch.
1: Mm. Well, the lady's obviously never heard of Gail Hamilton. <clears throat> oh, by the way, where is she?
0: Mrs. Blanchard? Oh, she's gone in search of a tranquilizer. I'm to drive you to her house in Hendon, in your car. Well, the chief has taken the office car to Dover.
1: You drive my car? Now, that's real danger. I'll be the pilot if you don't mind. Come Mm. on, hop in. Mm -hmm. No dice, Gail. Take a look up there. See where the kitten's gotten itself? Mm. That branch won't hold my weight.
0: Shall I try?
1: Well, you might look like a bird of paradise, honey, but weight wise, the resemblance ends there.
0: Thanks.
1: No, we've got to devise a new plan. Now, you see that branch below the cat, the one that hangs over the neighbor's wall? Uh-huh. I want you to climb out along that limb and get ready to catch the kitten. I'll go up above you and cut through the branch it's perched on. That way, it'll fall right in your lap.
0: All right. Have you got a knife?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whatever you do, don't let the critter fall into the next door neighbor's yard. There's a real mean-looking dog prowling around in there. Okay, let's try it, so we... Right. Come on up. Oh, hey, take right. it easy. Mind my fingers. <laughs> Why have you stopped? Shh.
0: The neighbors are coming over this way. So? Well, we haven't got Mrs. Blanchard to explain if they see us. We'll look up up a proper couple of Charlies if the neighbors see us up in this tree.
1: Well, they can see the cat, too.
0: A grown man and woman trying to rescue one small kitten. Can and I'd be embarrassed.
1: Okay, so we lie low. It's on your head if that kitten falls into the jaws of Fido next door. Shh. Them. They're coming right up to the wall. Okay.
3: I've given a great deal of thought, Drop to whoever could put the box. I finally decided on a place by the wall here. Not only is it out of the way, but the Blanchard's elm tree next door, see, hangs right over it.
4: Is that important, is it? I think so.
3: The place is permanent shade and the ground is always soggy. Drink your heel in the soil, you can feel feel for yourself. Yes, you're right. Hardly the part of the garden to which you bring a young lady in stiletto heels. That'll guarantee its anonymity, until the treasure hunt is officially announced.
4: (laughs) How many people are you expecting at the party? Oh, about 50. Are they all from the upper middle class? Really, Dobby, the way you categorize people. (laughs) I was taught that the English upper middle class were the epitome of honesty and good behavior. (laughs) Then it's time you dismissed your instructor.
3: Once they know that a treasure hunt is to be organized and that the prize is a case of champagne, they'll be all over the grounds to try and find the treasure with a hearty disregard for the rules. You amaze me. Do I? Then I'm flattered, Dobby's. Now, it's of paramount importance that young Kenneth Tracy finds the treasure. I'll explain how we go about that later. Right now, I want you to get a spade from the gardener's shed and cut out a square of turf under this tree here. Dig a hole, put the box in it, and then replace the turf exactly as you found it.
4: Yes, I'll do that, Enid. Is the box watertight? Of course.
3: I'd hardly entrust
4: ten million pounds to a cardboard carton, would I? (laughs) I shall see that you get full credit for your ingenuity.
3: You can have the credit, Dropbiz. I'll stick with the cash and the sweet life. Well, come on, we've not got a great deal of time left before the party, and I have 101 things to do.
1: Did you, uh, did you catch all that? Every word. Well, what do you think?
0: That there's going to be one swell party here tonight.
1: With well, a party game yet. And the jackpot's two million pounds. That must have been just a figure of speech. Well, that's some figure.
0: Well, it's got nothing to do with us.
1: Yeah, I'm not so sure. Although that driver's guy speaks perfect English, he's a foreigner. And why should the regal looking dame cook the treasure hunt for the sake of a case of champagne?
0: It's none of our business, Cannon.
1: Yeah, well, I'd sure like to be at that party tonight.
0: There you go again. Your mother must have reared you on Pinocchio.
1: Fifty guests. Well, that's an awful lot of people on the ferry lights. They wouldn't even notice another tune. Say, how's your wardrobe on party dresses?
0: Are you suggesting that we gate crash this party tonight?
1: Well, they'll give us an official invitation, that's for sure.
0: But why do you want to go, Cannon?
1: I want to get a look inside that box that Fen Drobvis is shortly going to bury. What else?
0: Wouldn't it be easier to satisfy your curiosity by simply waiting until Drobvis has hidden the box and then shimmying over the wall to take a look when he's gone?
1: Uh-uh. You forget Fido the bull mastiff. He knows we're up in this tree, and from the look on his slobbering mug, he's wishing we'd fall out of it.
0: Great bells and buckets of blood. And what's with you? The cat we came to rescue.
1: Well, I don't see it anymore.
0: Well, I do. Well, where is it? Don't look up, look down. It's over by the kitchen door, lapping at a saucer of milk.
1: Did you uh, get a look at the front gate, girl?
0: Yes, there's a the man on duty in Green Livery. He's checking all the invitations. So that lets us out. How do we get into Mrs. Blanchard's garden? Won't her door be locked, too?
1: You bet. She uh, wouldn't have her cat stray, but I got a key.
0: Uh-uh. I,
1: I won't use it again after tonight, I promise. I'll drop it where the gardener can't fail to see it. He'll pick it up and think he just dropped it by accident. I checked whether the front gate was bolted, and it wasn't, so uh, let's get inside. And quiet, because tranquilizers are not available to Mrs. Blanchard's cats. Oh, and take it easy up that elm tree. If you rip something, you might have a hard time explaining in the ladies' retiring room. But come on, up quick and over. Come on, easy. Made it.
0: Shall we look for the box now?
1: No, let's uh, let's mingle with the motley throng. I want to make sure the old dame and droveries are nowhere near this end of the garden. Yeah.
4: Pray silence for your hostess, Mrs. Enid (laughs) Blythe-Shearer. Thank you, Kenneth. (laughs) Darlings, I just wanted to welcome
3: you formally to the party. I think you all know each other. Oh, except perhaps a very dear friend of mine from Oxford, Mark Drobley's. Hello. 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 After the buffet supper, we have to have a treasure hunt. And the prize will be a case of champagne. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. And no cheating. Oh, you'll each be given the first clue, and then you have to follow the clues you'll find. They will finally lead you to a buried box. Instructions are on the lid, and the first one to fulfill these instructions will be the winner. Now I want you all to have a simply marvelous time. Come, Kenneth, you can get me a glass of punch.
1: Yes, of course. Gail, come on, move over here out right of sight. Make like we're uh, shy young lovers. Oh. You heard what the lady said. They all know each other.
0: Except for droppers.
1: And you don't look a bit like droppers. Here, hang on to this glass.
0: Where did you get that?
1: I brought two of them with me. And a half bottle of champagne. Just hold it a minute. Yeah. And don't drink it too fast. It's only a prop.
0: A prop is what I need right now. There we are. What about the
1: bottle? Uh, well, I'll toss it over into Mrs. Blanchard's garden. (coughs) Ouch. Mrs. Blanchard's gonna be real upset when she finds one of her cats has hit the bottle. Okay, I'll look for the turf we hid that box. You keep a lookout, huh? Right. Uh, okay, I got it. Now give me that hand trowel I told you to put in your bag. Here. Thanks. Have you got it? Yeah. Yeah, just hang on a second. Yeah, it's a little box a foot square.
0: So Mrs. Blythe-Shearer was only playing the fool when she said it contained ten million pounds. You couldn't get a thousand of that thing.
1: Well, it doesn't have to be banknotes, does it?
0: That box is awfully small for the crown jewels.
1: Oh, there's some instructions on the lid. You see, uh it says, take this treasure chest to the warehouse in Merchant's Lane Stepney. Say to the watchman, I am the bearer of good tidings. He will take the box and after you've left, telephone here to confirm that you've completed the task.
0: The so things the idle rich cook up.
1: Uh, well, this treasure hunt's cooked up for a guy called Kenneth Tracy, remember?
0: But what's inside the box?
1: I don't know. It's locked.
0: Well, that's never bothered you before.
1: Doesn't now. Just a minute.
0: Well, what's inside?
1: Two flat pieces of metal.
0: So it is just a gag after all. I told you all that talk of ten
1: million pounds was baloney. Well, you put these two things in your bag. But why? Just do as I say. to lock this box again. Put it right back where we found it, minus the contents.
0: What on earth's the point of keeping two worthless flat pieces of metal?
1: Those worthless flat pieces of metal are engraving plates. Hmm? Engraving plates for turning out unlimited quantities of counterfeit banknotes. Being unaware of the
2: dangers that were to beset Cannon on his self-appointed mission, I confess that my sentiments towards him leaned in this direction. Had I known what Jobbys really represented... I would have been apprehensive, to say the least.
4: Merchants Lane. Now yeah, this is it. Now what did the instructions say? The warehouse. Well, I hope there's not more than one. Oh, well, that must be it. I hope it's right, or the watchman will think I'm luny. Are you the watchman? Yeah. Oh, quite the conversationalist, aren't we? I have a box and a message. Make sense to you?
1: That's right.
4: All right, here it is. Oh, in the message. I am the bearer of good tidings. right There. Oh, don't forget to telephone Mrs. Blythe-Shearer. Good night. <laughs>
3: Hello? Oh, it's you. So he arrived all right. Good. The password? Fine. What did you say? Repeat that. Uh, but that's not possible. If this is any of your doing... Oh, I see. Very well. I'll inform job is Good night. Job is
4: Hello, Mrs. Blytheshearer. All present and correct. I delivered the tin box and the man said it found. Get out of my way. Oh, Mrs. Blytheshearer, is something wrong? Something disastrous. Oh, drop this. Did I hear you calling me in it? Yes, there's been a, an accident. Oh, I can see by the look on your face. We'd better go into the study. Is there something I can do, Mrs. Blytheshearer? Yes,
3: drop dead. In here, drop this.
4: Very Well, what is it? He
3: delivered the box.
4: It was empty. What did you say? The box
3: was empty. Carl used his duplicate key after that ass, Kenneth Tracy,
4: had left, and the box was empty. But I put the plates in there myself. I know you did, but someone took them out again. But who? Nobody went near that elm tree. And even if they did, how could they have known a box was buried there? Or well, for that matter, how could they have opened it? Oh, it was a simple two-lever lock. Any skeleton key could have opened it. Now, let me think. The place we decided upon, under that elm tree, was known only to you and me. I put the plates into the box in this study, and we walked together to the tree where I buried the box under the new-cut turf. There was nobody else in the house at the time. Even the gardener had been sent off. So one of three people could have opened that box. You, me, or Kenneth Tracy. You can exclude us. I have a duty to perform, and the pleats would be worthless to you. It's what they produce that holds your interest. Don't make me out too mercenary. Then let's kid ourselves, Mrs. Here, Get Tracy. I want him in here. Go now.
3: As you wish. Kenneth? Uh,
4: Kenneth? Oh, it's you. Oh, I lost
3: my temper, didn't I, darling? So sorry.
4: All right. But what is it all about?
3: Well... I received some disturbing news on the telephone.
4: About the box? Did I deliver it to the wrong address?
3: No, dear boy, of course not. You went to the right place. Dear friends, the winner of the treasure hunt is Kenneth Tracy. And so I'm going to ask him to come into the study and collect his prize, a case of the finest champagne. Come, Kenneth. And you can pour me a glass of
4: champagne to show that you've forgiven me. A pleasure, Mrs. This way. I've never known such an easy treasure hunt in my life. I only had three clues to follow, and there I was under the elm tree. It was a piece of cake. Why did you open the tin box? That wasn't in the instructions. But I didn't open it. You lie. Now look here, old boy. Uh, uh, What did you do with the contents of the box? I didn't touch it. It was locked. Mrs. Blythshire, please, what's this all about? Talk. You'd better do as he says, Kenneth. Well, well what do you want to know? You opened the box. Oh, I, didn't. <coughs> uh, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. I swear I didn't. Oh, the... Leave me alone, please. Tell him to leave me alone. do
3: not stop until you tell him, Kenneth.
4: Who's that? Tell them to go away. You, come here. And if you so much as whimper, I'll wring your neck. Yes, it? What was it, Enid?
3: A note from my neighbour, Mrs Blanchard. Throw it away. I'd better not drop this. She expects an immediate reply. If she doesn't get one, she'll become suspicious. I've always been on the most formal and correct terms with her.
4: Correct? Well, then read it quickly. There's little time, and I must find out what this pipsqueak did with the plates. Oh, hurry up, woman. this. I think you ought to hear what she has to say. I have no time for foolish neighbourly memoranda. It's more than that. We must get rid of Kenneth. Send him back to the party. So that he can tell everyone that I beat him up. Are you quite mad? I must read this to you in private. Right. You, come here. Uh, What are you going to do? Uh, 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 You're a ruthless brute, aren't you? Sometimes I have to be. Very well. What does the note say?
3: Dear Mrs. Blythe-Shearer, I have a small complaint. One of your guests threw an empty champagne bottle over my wall, and it landed on my new kitten. The poor creature was so frightened that it ran to the top of the elm tree and refuses to come down. Listen. Only this morning I paid a firm in the West End Ten guineas to rescue the kitten from the top of the elm tree and I feel a little distressed that the effort was
4: all to no avail. Sincerely, Maud Blanchard. Have you taken leave of your senses, Enid? What do I care about a kitten trapped in a tree? The elm tree,
3: this. The elm tree. Don't you see? When we buried that box this morning there was someone up in the elm tree. He must have seen and heard everything.
4: Great Scott.
3: Now we know where the plates disappeared to. I was sure that spineless ass, Tracy, had nothing
4: to do with it. Well, what can we do now?
3: We must get rid of Tracy. For a while, anyway. Oh, pour a bottle of champagne over him, and I'll tell everyone he's had too much to drink, and that you're going to take him home. Put him in a car, and take him to the warehouse. Carl can look after him there. And
4: the place? I'll
3: ring this firm in the West End. I'll get the address from Mrs. Blanchard.
4: You'll ask them to come out again to rescue the cat?
3: I'll ask the same man. They won't know my voice, and Mrs. Blanchard's voice on the telephone can't is very much different from mine. She'd quite naturally ask for the same man since he completed the job satisfactory last time. Oh, uh, hello. Uh, yes, Mrs. Blythe-Shearer here. Huh, I'm fine, thank you. Look, I'm most terribly sorry about that bottle incident. Yes, they do get a little rowdy. What's the name of that firm in the West End? I would like to bear the costs of bringing the man out again. Well, yes, I thought I'd get on to them right away. We can't have a poor kitten stranded in a tree, can we? The thought is too terrible. It might easily fall. (laughs) Yes, Mrs. Banshard, Those of us with a gentle nature abhor these things. Oh, just a moment, I'll jot it down. Right. Thirty-three. Thirty-three? Half? Moon Street.
1: Yeah? Canon. Yeah. You still in that phone booth over from Mrs. Blythshire's house? Yes. Look, did you ring the office and give them your number? Of
0: course I did. That's why I'm ringing your phone box. Has anything happened there at the warehouse? Mm-mm,
1: silent as a tomb. Why did you phone?
0: Penny Fairweather's just rung up to say that Mrs. Blanchard's kitten has run up the tree again and could we come at once to rescue it?
1: Mm-hmm. And what did Penny say?
0: She said, all right. Here's the rub. Mrs. Blanchard said she especially wanted the same man who rescued the kitten this morning. She said she'd taken a fancy to
1: him. Well, if Mrs. Blanchard had ever set eyes on me. That's what I expected to said, but uh, she never even saw me. Yeah. Fishy, isn't it? Hmm. Cannon. What well, was it, no?
0: There's someone coming through the blind sharer's gate. It's. It's Travis.
1: Uh-huh.
0: He's supporting someone. Looks as though he's drunk.
1: Well, take a good look. Who is it?
0: The young man who took the box to the warehouse. Are you sure? I saw him arrive at the warehouse, didn't I?
1: Yeah. Well, then my guess is that drivers will bring him here. Look, leave that phone booth and come on over here right away. To the warehouse? To this phone booth in Merchant's Lane. Ring Penny Fairweather and tell her what you're doing and tell her to stand by that Alpha's phone. Okay. Now make it quick and make it quiet. And, Gail, keep your hands free because you might need to use them. Ah!
3: This difficult time getting away, Drabiz. What on earth do you want to be at the warehouse at this time of night?
0: <sighs> who, who are you?
1: The name's Cannon, ma'am. I believe you wanted me on a cat rescue job. I... No, 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 no! <clears throat> don't try anything. All your friends are here. There's Carl, Tracy, Drobbiz, <sighs> oh, and the place. Don't touch me.
0: You're a man. You wouldn't hit a woman. That's right. He wouldn't hit a woman. a
1: While Drabiz was phoning you, he had my knife at his back. What a setup you had organized, Mrs. Blythe-Shearer. I congratulate you. Uh, on the currency racket, that is. But for that stinking game you tried to play tonight, I hope you go up the river for a long, long time. There was a strange
2: ending to the story, and I was anxious to hear from Cannon's own lips exactly what had transpired. He sat as usual in my office, arms akimbo, a cigarette dangling
1: from the corner of his unsmiling mouth. You see, Droddless was a communist agent, and the plates were made behind the Iron Curtain. When they started rolling, the country would have been flooded with phony money. It's an old trick with the commies to disrupt a country's financial structure. But what got my goat was the method they used to recruit suckers into their net. Young Kenneth Tracy was a cinch. Once he delivered the plates, they would then have blackmailed him into working for them. Enid Blythe Shearer would have had little trouble in proving that he was an accessory to their crimes. And they got Enid into their net by the same method. Oh, and by the way, uh, Chief, we won't have to go to old Mrs. Blanchard's house again on a cat rescue because uh, I gave her the phone number of the local fire brigade.